What is the answer to 99 out of 100 questions? Money. Look, man, all these jokers have got a lot of money and it belongs to me. I want to know who they are and what they're doing with it. I'm sorry about that, man. I really am. Money does bad things to people. There ain't no excuse for it. Money. 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 I'm going to say money. Welcome to the We Are Money podcast brought to you by Beasley Mitchell & Company. I am your lovely host, Brad Beasley. And looking extra lovely today, Brad. Well, thank you, David. Thank uh, you, David. Is, is that a <laughs> lavender or chartreuse shirt um, you have on? It's both. Both lavender and chartreuse. <laughs> Whatever both yes. of those happen to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome, everybody. It's our first show after uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, Deezer, how was your Thanksgiving? It was pretty good. I ate too much per usual and slept a lot. So. That's fantastic. David and your Mine was awesome. Oh, well, that's fantastic because you got to spend it with your brother. Yes. That's always good. That's that was, always good. I guess, yeah. Well, once again, I'm Brad Beasley. <laughs> Along with me is uh, David Beasley, who's an attorney, and uh, Rebecca Deezer, who's, I don't know, Rebecca, what are you? I'm an accountant. You're an accountant. There we go. Yep. We have our special guest <laughs> with us today is uh, Dahlia Garcia. Dahlia is a, uh, an auditor at Beasley Mitchell & Company. We're going to talk auditing today. So, Dahlia, welcome. Thank you very much. And Dahlia, David always has one question that he asks all of our guests. Yes, David. What, what would you say you do here? Ha, huh, that's a very good question, David. Well, I'm a financial auditor. So normally what I do is I go and look at people's financial statements and I determine if they present fairly. And once we do that, then we give an opinion and say, yes, you're dandy to go or no, you have some issues. Now, I know a lot of times, Dahlia, we get people that, uh, that will ask us, we say, we need a financial statement audit. They really aren't talking audit, are they? I mean, we have a bunch of different levels of, of types of engagements that you perform, correct? That's correct. There's three different levels of engagements that we normally perform. And those are compilations, reviews, and audits. So a lot of the times people want an audit, but what they really need is they just need a compilation. They need financial statements that are presented in a certain format, whether that be gap or tax basis. And so it's a lot quicker to do. It's a lot less expensive, and it gives them the neat, what they need. So. so basically, with the financial statements, typically where a lot of these companies use their financial statements for? So some companies need them for the bank. So they have a loan or a line of credit, and the bank wants financial statements. Or for construction companies, the bonding company will ask for financial statements because they want to see that their contracts are in a certain format. Hmm. Are, are people scared of you? When you audit them? <laughs> well, normally when I'm on the phone with them, they're like terrified. And then they see me and they're like, okay. Even more terrified? We're good. <laughs> Even more I'm, terrified. I'm like, brace yourself. The auditor is coming. <laughs> That's awesome. They start playing the uh, Darth Vader music as you start walking in. You right? know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we always used to say that the uh, auditors were the people that came in and bayoneted the wounded after the war. We got a live one. <laughs> exactly. Take them down. <laughs> exactly. Deesha, you had a question for Dahlia? Uh, yeah. How can we prepare for an audit? So the first thing that you want to do is you want to make sure you have accounting policies. So if you follow your accounting policies, you're normally going to be good. That's the main thing that you need to do. Okay. The other thing is that you can always contract us if we're not your auditors. And we could actually go in and say, okay, this is what your auditor wants to see. This is how they want to see it. And we help you prepare for that. So okay. everybody's scared of like IRS auditors and, and you know, 
Department mm-hmm. of Labor auditors and right. all that stuff. So, like, are you, like, a good guy or a bad guy? What are you? <laughs> I'd like to think that we're, like, the good kind. Okay. We're not there to actually give you any sort of punitive right. implications. We, we go in and identify areas where there's weaknesses, areas that we can improve on, and then we try to help you fix it. So we're not the bad kind. We're good. So does auditing require a lot of travel? It depends. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Great so, answer. <laughs> so you personally, do you get to, do you travel very much? I do. I do at least like 10% travel throughout the year. And it's all concentrated in the fall because I get to travel to amazing places. Amazing places. So give us an amazing place that maybe you've been for some of our listeners. Okay. Amazing place. Number one, Jal, New Mexico. Jal, New Mexico. And we will, we will send you a Beasley Mitchell and Company mug if you can tell us where Jal is. Yes. So follow us on Twitter and send us that. That's a great one, Dave. Yes, you can. We are the We Are Money podcast brought to you by Beasley Mitchell and Company. You can follow us on our Twitter feed at, at Beasley Mitchell. And you can follow us on Facebook. So, yeah, if you can find out where Jal is, did you know that Jal, New Mexico is actually some person's initials? I did not know that. That is that. It's actually not some random like Indian name or something like that. It's actually a person's initials, kind of like Hobbes or Artesia are not our people's names. Wow. Good to know. Good yes. to know. Yes. And for more random knowledge, please see Brad next time. You on can this. follow me on my Facebook for <laughs> random knowledge. So can you give us a funny story or a funny uh, thing that happened to you while you're auditing? Yes, I can. So this one time we were out auditing and I actually had this guy, Avi Chetri, with me. And so, of course, the one day he wears orange. And what happens? We send him to the detention center. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> he went to do cash counts, but everyone was stopping to look at him like, why is he not handcuffed? Is what is he doing? Is, is this a work release program? Where wow. <laughs> work release audit program? Yes, it's cheap labor for Beasley Mitchell and Company. It that was, could have gone really wrong really quickly. <laughs> it could have. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Well, so he's still there. <laughs> so, yeah. so, he, so you're saying he never came back. We could not bring him back, no. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, like I said, auditing is always a very important part of the financial process. It kind of is the grease that greases the uh, the wheels. And, and, you know, we're sometimes, a lot of times we act as the intermedi- intermediary between the banks and the uh, the people trying to get money because they need the financial statements. And so we're the ones that kind of provide the independent uh, background and independent information that the banks and, and other users of the financial statement that, you know can can apply, correct? That's correct. And a lot of the times banks and bonding companies ask you for something that sounds extremely complicated, but sometimes it's it really isn't. So you can come and talk to us and we can give you, you know, the easy, this is what they want and this is mm. how they want it. And it makes it a lot easier for you as a business person to not have to be focusing on the accounting, focusing on your business. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Well, Dahlia, thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, like I said, uh, if we ever need audits, we'll let you know. And uh, I know that you're very busy, but we'll stay here for the rest of the podcast. And I know you'll contribute. Thank you very much. Okay, so now we're moving on to our next segment, which is obviously one of my favorites is If Brad Ruled the World. It's getting crazy in here. It's getting it gets a little crazy in here. I mean that that song. <laughs> if only you could see. <laughs> you only you could see, and and we're looking towards that. That we may be putting this up on a little, a little like, YouTube, a little YouTube ish, a little YouTube channel, whatever yeah. that is. Go a little YouTube on it. Mm-hmm. A little YouTube, a little, a little GoPro. <laughs> yep. So Brad, as I do every time that we have this uh, 
podcast, I have 10 questions for you. Okay. If you were in charge of everything, if you ruled the world, what, what would you do? How would you answer these questions here? So the first one, and also verify to me that you've never heard these questions. I never have heard these questions before. Awesome. Question number one. Would you institute a dress code in public schools? That's a fantastic question. A dress code in public schools. Absolutely, I would institute a dress code in public schools. I feel that sometimes the having a dress code basically kind of lets everybody be on the same plane. You don't have kids that have nice clothes versus bad clothes. And then also it kind of makes it easier when you figure out what to wear in the morning. Mm -hmm. I know. I always liked that when you knew what you're going to wear the next morning. I was in the Air Force and I loved it because they told you, what are you going to wear? You know, you never had to make that decision. Right. And yours was camouflage. So you could, you, if you, as long as you could find it in your closet, you're okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So question number two, should golf be timed or should carts be allowed in golf? Carts should be allowed. Definitely golf should be timed. And I think we should try to, you get additional points for finishing faster by using carts. And the faster you finish, the better you can score. In addition to your, it's, it's got to be a sliding like scale. A sliding. Right. Mm -hmm. Nice, like a quality versus speed, speed. Type thing. Yes, I'm, I'm more of a speed. I like that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it might have taken you 150 swings, but you got done in about an hour. Right, exactly. Nice. nice. And why would I, like I want to walk? Yeah. <laughs> they would have made carts. Yes. All right, question number three. How would you handle immigration policies? You know, that's a very difficult question. I think immigration policies, you have to look at the impact that it has on the uh, economy. I think we have to have a very pro-immigration stance in the United States because of our current birth rates. We cannot repopulate the United States at our current birth rate. So we need to rely on immigration for a lot of aspects of our um, growth as, an, as a nation and our in our growth. So we have to very be very pro on, on immigration. Good, good. That was a good punt, right? Yeah. You know, very good. That'll come in handy in one of my later questions here. Okay. Uh-oh. If you could have a lifetime supply of anything... What would it be? <laughs> and keep in mind, this is a family show. Is it a family show? That was a business show. Well, huh. it's kind of a business family business show. Business family show. Yes. A lifetime supply of anything? Chili cheese Fritos. Mm. Done. Good choice. Done. Drop the mic. You're done. <laughs> would, in question number five, would you require that sports figures be held to higher personal standards than regular people to allow to, to play professional sports or do their job, basically? This is interesting because Charles Barkley used to always say, you know, I am not a role model. That was his steal. And his, he was, he was terrible. And he terrible. was terrible, terrible. Uh, you know, honestly, I think that anybody that's in the public eye that kids do look up to, they need to be held to a little bit higher standard. Now, do they need to be held to the standard that I believe they're currently being held to, which is pretty, pretty high? I mean, you can't go to a, you know, a lot of these people, there was a deal of Steph Curry went to a bar two days ago and they're like making a big deal about Steph Curry going to a bar. Mm. Uh, that, that to, to me, that's swinging too far. Yeah. Now, kind of looking back to that last on the immigration policy question, number six, what would be some rules that you would institute for any political campaigning if you were ruling the world? Oh, I have some fantastic ideas on that. First of all, there, it would be financed by the state. We'd have public financing to run things because I think the big piece is how can I most effectively run an organization with limited budget? So if I'm if Rebecca is running for public office and you're running for public office, if I give both of you a million dollars to spend on advertising and or whatever, mm -hmm. let's see who's the most efficient mm. at this. And so then you also take out the public interests and the uh, the special the the special needs and stuff like that. And and I mean I know that a lot of the political stuff that we've done in different organizations I've been involved in 
you end up donating to both sides. Maybe so, remove some barriers to entry as well. Exactly. Exactly. Nice. I like that idea. Very good. Number seven, since you're the king and president, whatever, of everything, you need to have a companion. So what would your choice of four-legged animal be? Oh, good. I thought that was going to get a weird <laughs> question for a second. My choice of four-legged animal. All right. So let's see. Obviously, people go with dog, cat. Or liger. A liger. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, you know, I think I would have to go with a, uh, I think I have to go with a dog. Mm. I'm going to go boring. Boring dog. dog. Any specific breed? No, just <laughs> <laughs> a bulldog. Bulldog. <laughs> Great. Um, question number eight. You can, you have a choice. You can institute the Hunger Games or the Olympic Games. Which one and why? Well, the Hunger Games are about food, aren't they? Yes. Or is that not what it's about? Mm. <laughs> Wasn't really big. <laughs> no. Games. I'm going to go with the Olympic Games because it's just a lot more, lot, lot more fun, and we get gold medals and stuff. Hunger Games, I just don't really understand very much, but that's fine. Okay. <laughs> Nine. What would be your policy on determining apportionment of income or apportionment of sales tax? I would, I would be. I'm actually in favor of 100% sales allocation because it encourages manufacturing. Because uh, if you have the allocation of sales right now where the apportionment is apportioned based on sales and or property and or employees in mm -hmm. that state, it, it actually discourages manufacturing occurring in your state because you have a large influx of income in that state. And it's hard. And if you right. sell in a lot of other states, it's very hard. And then the last one, which, you know, me having a music background would think would be the, one of the most important is who would write or perform your national anthem? Oh, that's easy. That is easy. Hans Zimmer. Would definitely propose it. So it would sound like every single Batman or Pirates of the Caribbean movie? I would go with Gladiator. Gladiator. That's what it would sound like. Mm -hmm. At nice. my signal, unleash hell. Very good. <laughs> awesome, Brad. Well, very nice job today. Very nice job today. You smoked those today, so very good job. Oh, smoked those today. Uh, and that's a great segue into our next segment, which is David's Legal Corner. The information contained on David's Legal Corner is provided as a general public service. The listeners, if any, are advised to check for changes to current law and to consult with an attorney. Once David's Legal Corner has begun, remain safely seated with your hands, arms, and legs inside. And watch your children. Please. Cuando comience el segmento de David's Legal Corner, permanezca sentado y mantenga las manos, brazos, pies y piernas dentro del vehículo. Y cuide sus niños, por favor. Ahora, prepárese. Awesome. Thank you very much. It's always important to get those disclaimers in there. <laughs> All right, David. So it's Legal Corner. We always look for uh, information from our guests. And so this time we got a question from Mary Jane Burns. She says, is marijuana really legal in some states? Well, that's an actually multiple part question that we're looking at. Um, and thank Burns. you, Mary Jane, for the question. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting question for a couple things. You know, everybody's talking about how there's certain states, there are currently... 23 states that have allowed medical marijuana is is allowed in their state. In addition, we now have four states that allow legal recreational marijuana. Now, the thing that's very interesting on this is that still under federal law, this is still an illegal controlled substance. So technically, you might be in compliance with state law, but you're still breaking federal law. And we've seen some cases in this, especially in the financial and money world, where that becomes a big problem because if you're, as a professional in many cases, and then also banks that are federally regulated, you are running a huge risk by not complying with federal law. 
So you might be compliant with state law if you're assisting some of these businesses that sell marijuana and things like that, but you're also breaking federal law. Now, currently, it seems like the policy is that the federal government is not trying to enforce this, but they could. And with a, with a change, it could. So Dahlia, let me ask you a question. If the medical marijuana grower came to you and needed a financial statement audit, what would you do? I would probably send them to our competitors. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a real, that's a really, very real question. And we had that and, and it's the question became is, are you facilitating that? And is it a violation of professional standards? Um, because you're doing this. The other question also becomes is whether you can get paid, right, Dave? Yep, exactly. That's a really interesting uh, situation for the banks because they're probably, you know, freaked out about, I'm going to get federally audited. I don't want to have this. You know, I don't want to be a part of this. However, those companies have a lot of cash, a lot of money, and they are having difficulty finding a bank to, you know, to use this bank. And so are we sending money outside of the U.S. because they can't find a bank nationally to take their money? Yeah, I mean, it, it runs into that where you are dealing with a big cash basis. I mean, and I don't mean accounting cash basis, just they, all they use is, is a lot of cash mm-hmm. to... um to run their business. So you're ending with some of these that have huge amounts of cash and are you know, huge targets for robberies and different things like that, where if they could deposit it into a bank, they would actually have a lot more protection and, and it could be, actually be traced better in, in that. But I, so I think there needs to be something done to get that, to figure out what's going on and, and be attacked. Otherwise it's going to be up in smoke. Uh, oh, oh burn. Burn. Did there. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> So let me ask you a question, David. Okay. And I, and I actually get this question um, uh, a lot. So if people in Colorado who are, it's, it's legal for them to, to smoke uh, marijuana, mm-hmm. if they're drug tested by their employers and they come back positive, is, is that a, a violation? Are they in trouble? Can you fire them under federal law and or state law? That is a really tough question because if they're federally regulated in any way, like if they're... Um, I'm thinking like truck drivers or things mm-hmm. like that, where they, they receive federal funds or exactly, something like that. Exactly, Rebecca, that that you could do that, but then I could see something coming out. And actually, that might be a case where that would actually spearhead the reform on this that needs to happen, something like that. What about having just internal policies? And you set your internal policies and you just follow those? Is there any sort of legal implication with that? You you could. Um, again, it comes down to your um, um, if you were allowed to set that policy under state law mm. and that to begin with. Hire but, an attorney. Yeah, <laughs> hire an attorney. Not me, but another attorney. Another attorney. Well, it's always interesting. What other points do you have for Mary Jane, David? Um, that's it. Um, stock up on the Cheetos. Uh, one other thing with these, these businesses who are... Um, uh, maybe growing and selling the medicinal marijuana or recreational marijuana, mm-hmm. uh, since a lot of states are now moving to require um, electronic uh, payroll tax filing, if the banks can't you know, accept their funds, they're running into issues where they can't pay their, their SUDA or their, their state withholding or compensation tax online as required. So that's an interesting uh, obstacle that they may run into as well. Yeah, there's, there's, it's just a huge compliance maze yeah. that, that they're not able to comply with. And so it, it needs to be figured out and soon, because I think it's only going to, the business is only going to grow. It's a lot of money for the state too. That You know, they had this problem back in the twenties, I believe it was called prohibition. Mm, mm-hmm. And mm. if I remember there was an organization I... that was really good at taking money and turning it into okay money. I believe it was mm. called the mob. 
right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that that's, it's just, it, there's, there's some, uh, unfortunately, there's some parallels there that somebody, you're right, Rebecca, is going to come in and, and do this for them. Yeah, so either get a handle on it or somebody will get a handle on it. And, right. And so I think that that's one way to go there. Well, I think we're at the blunt end of that segment, and mm-hmm. I think oh, we're going yes. to uh, <laughs> move on. And our next segment is superhero tax questions. Now, i got to give us a little background on this one today. We're going stretching the box a little bit on what is a superhero. We're actually kind of delving into a little more movie questions. Pop a little culture. Bit. Pop culture, will. yeah. So one thing to, to our question is, were Doc Brown from the Back to the Future movies were to gift the flux capacitor, would that gift be a present gift, a future gift, or some kind of historical credit? And to give you a little bit of difference on what what the implications are on that, when you're dealing in the gift tax area, if it is a present gift, you can take it against your present, um, your $14,000 a year exemption amount. Now, if it's a future gift or something like that, it ha- you don't get that option because it's not immediately vested in that. So it has to go in for, or if it's historical, then we're running into a whole nother Another problem there. Well, and then the definition of present interest is one where it's given entirely and for complete use and enjoyment. There's no strings attached. A future interest would be where there are strings attached. So now, Deesa, were you even born from when Back to the Future came out? Probably. Mm-hmm. Probably. 85-ish? I'm going to give you a solid maybe. A solid maybe. Solid okay. maybe. Nice. Yeah, a solid maybe. So Back to the Future, once again, the flux capacitor was the actual device inside the DeLorean that mm-hmm. allowed time travel to yeah. occur. That why thing. That why thing. Yes, it always need 1.21 gigawatts of uh, Garbage, power. Crash, Scott. Okay, so <laughs> what do you think, Dave? What's your opinion on it? I would think that it has to always be some sort of historical credit, some sort, because depending on whoever has it, they always have the ability to go back and not give it. Yes, I think that it's definitely at minimum a future gift because... At any time, Doc Brown could go back in time and take it, or Marty, or any of the other Biff, or you know whoever it is. One thing to back. one thing to think about is you could go back in time, change the tax law, and make it comply with whatever you're trying to do. So let's say that the tax law was changed. So now the uh, U.S. tax code is implemented in what year, Rebecca Deeser? No, David. Nineteen. No. no. Anybody? Things like eighteen or sixteen. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah. 1840 something. 18, it was 19 something. So, I mean, <laughs> was there a so, minor in there? <laughs> so, here's an interesting question because it, you know, that occurred in the in, you know, 1917, 1918 time period. Well, one of the time periods in Back to the Future was 1885. So, if he changed the tax code back then, does that change everything? I mean, this is a fantastic question. I know. So, it's one to really ponder. So, Dave, in, in general, what would be something as, a, as an example of a, a future interest? A future interest. Um, would be something where I you don't get the the full benefit of that now, but you're going to get that, you will get that at a at a future date. So like a, um, it's like real estate. Yeah. So like if I said here, David, you know, I'm going to give you this upon my death, you're going to get my house. Yeah, that's so, a future gift. Yeah, so it's a future gift. Where a present gift is, you have the right to dispose of it, do whatever you want at that time. What about gifts that are? So now we're talking about gifts in, in relative to. Um, 
estate and gifting right so now let's switch Mm -hmm. it to charitable donations so what if doc brown made a charitable donation to this would he be able to deduct it on his current year tax return or what would he do Mm -hmm. so charitable how would you appraise that to even determine the value well the um, salvation army actually has a thing on that yeah, there's oh, really? the, they have the, a little box on the that you can guide? check yeah. for flux yes. capacitor. <laughs> the thrift guide says yeah. flux capacitor. Yeah. Ba- a bag. You put a bag. Of, right. A bag of flux capacitors. Because, I mean, depending on when you make the gift, it'll eat into your annual tax exempt, you know, the 14000 and then the, the lifetime uh, uh, gift exclusion for the 706, mm-hmm. which is like $5 million and some change for 2015. But... How are you even going to figure out if that's the only flux capacitor? How would you even begin to have that appraised? Um, I, that's a very interesting question. I think you'd have to really find a really good appraiser. Somebody that's kind of, you know, not time sensitive. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. You see what I did there? You see what I did? Nice. Very good. Yeah. So it's always interesting. It's always interesting. Very good. So now we're going to move into Rebecca Deeser's segment, Random Weather. Don't you listen to the weather? We got a major storm here. I make the weather. Oh, this boy's trick coming up out of the Gulf is going to push us to the east, the little Judah. All right. Thank you. So, Rebecca, explain the segment. Okay. So, for this segment, I'm going to describe some weather of a random location anywhere in the world, and you will get to guess where where this place is based on the facts that I give you, okay. which isn't very much information, but still. Okay, that sounds good. All right, so today it is partly cloudy and 48 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Uh, we have 0% precipitation and humidity is about 50%, wind 20 miles per hour. Out of what direction? Let Wait. me see if I can find that direction for you. Because that ultimately determines my whole right. thing. Um, Looks like it's coming out of the southeast again. Okay, southeast again. Okay. Well, as we always do with our segment, uh, Dahlia, guests first. Thank you, Brad. Rebecca, that is Earth, Texas. <laughs> Earth, Texas. That would be correct, mm-hmm. sir. Earth, Texas. So where is Earth, Texas? Probably in Texas. In Texas. <laughs> do you know where Lubbock is? Lubbock's, yes. I know where Lubbock's okay. is. It's like... <laughs> About an hour, eh, I would say, northwest. Middle of nowhere. And that's Earth, Texas, not Texas, Earth. That would be correct. Okay, all right. All right, so Earth, (laughs) Texas. David, where do you think it is? I think it has to be San Luis Obispo, California. 45 degrees. The salmon of Capistrano? Yes. It's a little cold there today. There's a front coming in. There's a front coming in. Um, I'm going to go with Dallas, Texas. It's the Netherlands. The, the Netherlands. Netherlands. You guys were Dutch. so close. <laughs> Especially me, right? We're, Especially Dahlia. Thank you. At least you and I are in the same state. So that's, we always appreciate random weather, Rebecca. And so now we move on to our other segment, which is David's favorite segment. And we'll dance all night. It's the best code ever. Some folks pay a lot. Others, they pay never. And if you don't comply, you'll go to jail. All right, Brad. So we have the best code ever. Nice. And um, so what we're going to do on here, I have three questions with three taxes 
on there. Two of them are actual real taxes that either are currently in effect or historically had happened. And so your guys' job is to select the one that is not a real tax. Not so we, we're going to select the one that's not a real tax. Not a real tax. Okay. okay, are we ready? Absolutely. Fire away. All right, question number one. We have the transmission tax. Engine overhaulers in Indiana are required to charge an additional 2% on parts used to overhaul an engine in addition to their normal charge of repairing an engine. The tax was put into place to stimulate sales of new cars, but not, does not apply to racing or Indy cars. Then there's the illegal drug tax, often referred to as the crack tax. This targets the possession of illegal drugs, such as marijuana or cocaine. Currently, over 20 states have this tax on the books. And even in Tennessee, when you pay this, you don't have to let them know who you are, and you will receive stamps to attach to your legal substances. Interesting. Then, then there's also the soda fountain drink tax, which the is imposed by the city of Chicago, which taxes is, taxes canned soda at about 3%, but fountain soda is at three times that at 9%. So which one is fake? All right. So which one is fake? Dahlia. I would say the crack tax. Mm. Okay. Mm, Rebecca Deeser. Crack tax. Crack tax. That's interesting. <laughs> kind of t- which one are you going with, Brad? I'm going to go with the... Uh, the not the soda, not the crack one. So the transmission tax. Transmission tax. <laughs> vroom vroom, you are correct, Brad. Oh. Vroom vroom. That is three in a row from you, last week. You are you are correct. <laughs> He's yes. on a roll. Yes, that that is completely um, made up. There actually there is an illegal drug tax, and technically, um, a lot of times they put these in to try to catch people, even if they can't catch them on the drug possession. They, they give you stamps. They give you stamps to put on your illegal drugs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So question number two here is now this is a, what we're calling a historical tax question here. Okay. So there is, the first one is the beard tax. Tsar Peter the first of Russia was a, apparently a great tax enthusiast. He taxed everything from beehives to beards. And so he introduced in 1705 that a special tax on beers for anyone that had that facial hair, unless you were clergy. Then there is the window tax, also known as the glass tax, was introduced by William Pitt the Younger in 18th century England. And basically a tax put an additional tax on property that had more than six windows, which resulted in many windows being bricked up over if you had more than six. Hmm. The last one is the revolutionary renovation tax. No, I'm sorry. That's the wrong one. That is the, the revolutionary wax tax. Um, in Boston, right after the Revolutionary War, the city of Boston briefly imposed a tax on candles and other wax products to help eliminate the debt from the war effort. And it was actually approved mostly because the wealthy in that town had mostly been loyalists, and so that's where most of the people that had the candles and all that were imposed. Okay, so you have the wax tax. The wax tax, the beard tax, and the window tax. The beard tax and the window tax. Rebecca Deeser. Window tax. Dahlia. I have to agree with Rebecca. Window tax. I'm going to go with beard tax because I like it. <laughs> actually, the wax tax is the one I made up. Oh, yes. there you go. Yes, there's actually a beard tax. and um, So can I ask you a question on that? Sure. So this is the czar of Russia. Yep. And he said he taxed everything from beehives to beards. Mm-hmm. So he didn't tax like aardvarks or, you know, <laughs> cats no, it, or it, dogs it, or anything. Well, it was just all in the bees. Well, anything sort of the bees. So it was like breeds of dogs. Breeds of dogs? Yes. So like I would have a tax because my name is Brad. Yes, you have a Brad <laughs> the Brad tax. It actually be a, a tax a, a for credit. asking that question. <laughs> which, should be a re- which should be a refund. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then our last question here, we have the, 
three different ones. We have the sparklers tax, which celebrating the 4th of July in West Virginia may lose some of its glory when you realize that the state imposes a special tax on selling spark sparklers and other novelties. And that is in addition to the state's general sales tax. So some people actually head out of state to go get those. There is the Nebraska Farm Fuel Credit. Nebraska agricultural producers are allowed a 5% fuel tax credit on Nebraska-produced and processed ethanol, as long as the ethanol contains at least 50% Nebraska-grown corn or soybeans. Then there is the nudity sales tax, where in Utah imposes a 10% tax on any sexually explicit business where someone appears nude or partially nude. And the tax covers everything from merchandise to food. <laughs> It doesn't well, cover everything. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Well, there goes my idea for the, uh, the na naked tax prep service in Salt Lake City that I was, yeah. I was hoping to open up. Yes, we'll have to put on hold those expansions. <laughs> okay, so which one's fake? Dahlia. I think the Nebraska tax. Deezer? Mm, the nude tax. It's almost too easy to go with the nude tax. Um, I'm going to go with the first one, Dave. Sparklers tax. The sparklers tax. Well, our guest hit it out of the park there, ah. and it is the Nebraska <laughs> Farm Fuel Credit tax. I just um, made that up. There might be some fuel credit, but I don't think it has anything to do with specifically being Nebraska-grown beans, corn and soybeans in there. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Back to your beard tax. Is there is there a tax credit if you're unable to grow a beard? Hmm. hmm. Like a stubble credit or something. Right. <laughs> stubble credit. <laughs> <laughs> he can't grow a beard oh well what if you're so what, i mean does that only would that beard tax only apply to men or does it apply to women too i think it applies to both I mean, <laughs> unfortunately yes that's fantastic david as always the best tax code ever is always a an interesting one i'm going to switch it up a little bit here for the end i wanted to talk about a uh, interesting topic we were talking about current events is sometimes what we talk about here at the end of our segment and uh, I didn't really brief Dahlia on this, so we're going to have to go off the cuff. One of the things that Dahlia has become somewhat of an expert in is uh, these recent changes in financial statements where now government entities, state, local governments, cities have to present their share of the unfunded state pension plans. So a lot of these states have pension plans that are, are underfunded. They're supposed to have a billion dollars in it, and they have, half, they have 500 million, and they, they need to fund the rest, and so it's a liability. If you actually look, for those of our listeners, if you're, if you're so inclined or so bored like, like I have been, if you actually go read the United States financial statements, which they do put out financial statements, the government does, and it's uh, put out by the General Accounting Office. Is it written in crayon? Or? Uh, it's on whiteboards. So they White, can change whiteboard. it. Okay. Um, they do have like 100 plus findings most years. <laughs> yes, they do. You're right, Dahlia. Yeah. They do. And actually, if you look in the very, very back, there's a section that talks about unfunded pension liabilities and unfunded future obligations by the United States government. Right now, we are showing about $17 trillion on the United States financial statement on the face for debt and bonds and those kind of things. But if you actually went back and looked in the back of the financial statement for the United States, it actually shows about $56 trillion of additional unfunded liabilities that the United States government is getting because of Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, those kind of things. And so, Dahlia, what have you seen as implementing this GASB 68 stuff and 16, you know, with uh, with the state and local governments, what kind of numbers are you seeing? So in the state of New Mexico, uh, most of your governmental entities are under PARA, and PARA is like 83% funded. And PARA is the Public Employee Retirement? Yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. And so that means that 17% of that liability is actually going on to these governmental entities, 
for some of our really small clients, it's not really that huge of an issue because they're only taking a really small percentage. But we've seen several clients that go from positive net position to a negative net position. So what that means is that we're saying that they are no longer liquid. So it's right. a little scary. It is scary. The major most of the majority of, of the state governments are now illiquid. So that means that um, you have to use slow and small words. I'm an attorney. So that means that basically they're not able to pay. If, if everybody that's supposed to retire would retire, they would not be able to pay everybody what they had promised. Mm -hmm. Correct. Now, a lot of people start freaking out about this, but the reality is, is that this number includes everyone from the ages of 18 who are working in these cities to, you know, retirement age. So that, that 17% that they're going to have to eventually pay out is not all in a lump sum. So once you start really looking at that, you're going to see that, yes, you may not be liquid today if everyone retired today, but that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. You know, Deezer's not going to retire today. Right. Maybe. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> it's a pay today, but they're not realistically going to even retire anytime soon. Correct. Right. And Deezer, you cannot retire right now. you got to go back. And there's, I know there's right. some work you got to do this afternoon. So right. if you take I'm care never going to. I'm never going to retire. <laughs> But see, that's what's interesting about this stuff is that that's where financial statements are so useful because then you can interpret this data and say, well, what does that really mean on a, uh, you know, for financial purposes? It's, it's just, it's really interesting. It comes up with the current topic. We discuss it a lot. And so, uh, like I said, with that, that kind of gets us to the end. Any parting shots, David? Excited that we're continuing to do this. Dahlia, I want to thank you for coming on. We're a great guest today. And, um... If anyone needs to get a hold of Dahlia, please contact us at Beasley Mitchell and Company if you can help anything out there. Dahlia, you have any parting shots you'd like to say? No, thank you so much for having me. Sounds good. Deezer. Please follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Um, send us comments, questions. We're happy to answer. If you like us, leave a review on mm -hmm. uh, on iTunes. If you don't like us, just don't. Yeah, <laughs> just don't. Act like you go listen to something else. And something. I think we actually did get a review this week, so we thank did. you very much for the review. Whoever you are. <laughs> we, yes. do have, we do have a listener, if any. Uh, awesome. Awesome. That's fantastic. Well, thank you guys very much again. It's uh, always a fun It's always a fun podcast. Next week will be our Christmas special, Deezer. Are you going to wear a hat for us? Yes. Awesome. And next week will be our Christmas uh, Christmas special, and we'll have uh, we'll talk about charitable giving. Probably we'll have a charity in, and we'll have that, and we'll talk about that. So, and with that, once again, it's this is the We Are yet. Money podcast. It is for me, sister. Look, I ain't in this for your revolution, and I'm not in it for you, princess. I expect to be well paid. I'm in it for the money. 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 I'm going to say money.